Okay. Uh, hi, welcome to the first live episode. I'm your host, Scott. Um, with me, I've got two superstars from Unlikely Heroes Studios. I've got Laurie Foster and John Pence. You guys say hi to the people. Hey. Hi to the people. Nice. I was hoping someone would do that. Yeah. Um, they just launched uh, Kickstarter uh, for The Surgeon issue three. Um, if you've, it's the, the uh, most recent comic. Um, if you've been following us in the store, we always have Unlikely Hero Studios books. Um, and The Surgeon's been one of their uh, more recent projects. I know you guys have a couple other things, but we'll talk about all of that. First, I just want to ask how you guys been doing in uh, these trying times we're living in right now. It's, uh, yeah, it, you got to take it a step at a time. Uh, doing okay, considering, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, about the same. <laughs> Let's say, have you guys found the, like, you know, I don't, see, I know in Jersey here, we were very much, like, locked down for a couple of months. Uh, couldn't really go anywhere, do anything. I don't know if that, uh, kind of situation helped you creative types. If you work from home already, you get to do more make more comics or get more yeah. projects done. Like, I love to work from home. I love to have um, that kind of privacy. Unfortunately, I'm locked at home with my whole family. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and like, my wife is the primary breadwinner, you know, like, I, I write comics. Uh, she's a professor, so she's taken this office, which is where I like to work, to work, and then I'm out at the kitchen table people come to get a snack and I'm like that's it I, <laughs> I had an idea and now it's gone let me help you make a sandwich there buddy yeah I know the second I start working on anything something else comes up and I forget everything that I've ever known in my life yeah totally yeah pretty much yeah but um well, let's uh also you know since this is a live episode if anyone is watching and has a question for Lori John or I guess even me um, I'm flattered, but you should definitely be asking a, a question to our comic creator friends here. But, you know, I'll, I'll bring them up in the chat here, and uh, we'll see if we can answer them. But, you know, uh, since we guys just started uh, the Surgeon's Kickstarter, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Surgeon for, I mean, everyone watching should know. But just okay. in case there's some new new people. Lori, can you describe it from your point of view? Oh, uh, great. Put me on the spot. Um, yeah. I can, absolutely. I'm happy to, but it's always interesting to hear other people. Uh, <laughs> all right, um, so I'll take you off the spot. Yeah. You, can, you can compose yourself for a moment. Okay, let me think. Um, so it's, it's a post-apocalyptic spaghetti western, um, or, you know, the uh, Kurosawa Ronin Samurai story. Um, in the role of the man with no name, we have this uh, doctor who um, has, has, you know, she, she learned how to be a healer, because that was her calling, uh, but the past couple years of apocalyptic times have made her uh, very proficient at killing, and she has to do that to survive anyway, and so like, what do I do? Am I a healer? Am I a killer? Um, and so she ends up at a frontier fort that needs her as a doctor, and uh, then things start to get more violent than you might think. So yeah, once you know how to 
put a body back together, you know how to take it apart, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I will say, I didn't think about it till just this minute. It's a post-apocalyptic future where the hero is a doctor. Very uh, prescient to have this comic book these times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hopefully it's not portent of things to come. Yeah, uh, and, and the, the economy of these days is like, you know, here now we think doctors are rich. She's needed, but she's trading her work for, like, wool socks and, you know, more, more suture material. Yeah. So, so, you know, nobody's rich. Everybody's just kind of scraping by. Now, yeah, I've read, I obviously haven't read the third issue because, you know, you just launched the Kickstarter for it. But the first issue is, like, kind of remind me a lot more of, like, a, got a, got, they got kind of, like, a Mad Max feel to it without the cars, um, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But, like, everyone's got kind of that, like, punky, like, scavenged armor, like, it's part, like, football armor, just, like, right. things you see. Um, it's a very cool uh, aesthetic in the world you guys set up there. Also, uh, baby skulls, apparently. Yeah. No. Oh, what I, that I'm not aware of. Uh, was that was that an, was that an influence of some kind? Yeah, you know that that was that was Zach. Okay. Uh, so, in in the middle of, of chapter two, yeah, uh, maybe maybe toward the end, he had drawn somebody on the page, and he's like, "Okay, everybody, stop everything. I'm going to take this crazy big Mongo." alien beast of a human being and uh, you know run with him and, and we were of course like yeah please that would be fantastic so we had this character that we've called what Farmer Ted yeah so, yeah. Um, so Farmer Ted was like uh, Anthony Michael Hall's character in 16 Candles a really skinny wing anyway this guy is like 8 feet tall um, and he has a skull made of, or a belt made of baby skulls um, <laughs> and there was there was another character who had a brassiere made of somebody's severed hands too. That was um, that was disturbing. Right in the last page of chapter two, she's also wearing someone else's face on her face. Yes. Yeah. She has other faces, like with her, just in case, I guess. Yes. Oh well, yeah, well you know you might have like a fancy ball later. You know you got your dress up, your dress up face. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no. It's... We just we sound like horrible, sadistic people now. I mean, the books. <laughs> I hesitate now to call it fun. Oh. Uh, but it's it's not super grisly in my opinion. Audio sound. Oh, what's yeah, up? I have no audio from you. No audio from me. Oh, I put it on mute because I was moving my mic. And I didn't want to like have horrible sounds. Uh, sorry. You're good. Hopefully that's knock on wood here. That's the last uh, technical hiccup I have on my end. Oh, there's no way. Yeah. This is a Zoom meeting. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, China's down there in the lower right. That click like right where I'm pointing. Click there. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh yeah, it's because it would be that's, end. That's yeah. the way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, let me get back to my questions here. So, uh, Laurie, you've been involved with uh, Unlikely Heroes from the beginning, have you? Uh, just uh, just after the beginning, yeah. Yeah, so, but almost as long as I've known the comics coming out from the studio. Uh, how, did, how did you get involved, though? Because I know 
like Zach and uh, was one of the big people, and he's was local. Like I, his brother's one of our regulars. That's how we got to know him. Um, I don't want to put on blast where everyone is, but I know like everyone else is like from you know around. Uh, you can blast in other in other states here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's it's really weird. They were looking for an anchor. Um. They went through. Uh, Zach told me like fifteen or twenty anchors or something, okay. and then they found me on DeviantArt and they had me do a test stage and they were like, "Wait a second and they said like it was the best they'd ever seen and had me do more work and then they were like, "You're hired," and it just kind of snowballed from there. Because I know uh, you were always described as the brains of the operation. <laughs> That's a fair assessment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, I would say. So when it started, it was just Justin and Zach, um, and you know Zach's very creative and he he's very good at the writing and the drawing aspect. But like uh, both of neither of them were very like business minded. Like you know mm -hmm. their their partnership agreement was like a napkin. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. <laughs> I came in and kind of helped them, you know, fix that and like grow from there. No, I mean even amongst friends, there's kind of always it's it's better if there's like a delineation of like responsibilities. So that way, you know, everyone knows what they need to do and can not have to worry about hurting each other's feelings and whatnot. Uh, but, John, how did you get uh, hooked up with these crazy gang here? Yeah. Um, so, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a writer in the stable of creative talent that they have. Um, I'm also editor for the, uh, the Elsewhere series. Mm -hmm. uh, Lori and I do that together. Yes, sir, that's, um, we have that available now. Yeah. 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 Um, so, I don't know if I'm, I, I don't think I have a, a position in the company other than writer of books, but uh, I'm happy to be included. Yeah, well, so the Kickstarter seems to be doing very well. It's always pretty, uh, it's always pretty, uh, they always seem to do pretty successfully. They um, do. Um, Lori runs a tight ship, um, you know, and this this whole brains of the outfit stuff. Um, I see you like, trying to bite your thumbnail, but like <laughs> we we have a good uh, we have a really good boss, a really good um, like one person company behind us, and, and running a Kickstarter is not easy, and it takes work, and she does it. Oh man. So I'm getting comments. Apparently, you guys are coming in pretty quiet. Um, I don't know if there's a way we can boost your audio. Well, I could talk louder. I mean, that's always an option, right? Yep. Yeah, I can just try to talk louder. Yeah, because I don't have a way to control your mic levels on my end. I, I don't see a way of doing it in Zoom either, so... I mean, I can just straight up mute you and make you ultimate, ultra quiet. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll just people, try to... People can just guess. They can yeah. just guess what we're saying. It'll be fun. I'll write up a transcript and just subtitle everyone uh, after the fact. Um, but, yeah, uh, so, you know, um, how did you guys get into working on comics? I assume you grew up, uh, you know, as fans of, of various books, uh, you know. That's a safe assumption, dude. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, yeah, let's say, yeah, like, how, how did you get your start? Was it just, like, I've decided I'm going to start writing books, and 
maybe I'll find an artist uh, along the way. Literally, yes. Okay. And that, you know, there's this whole, like, what advice would you give to up-and-coming creators? And, and that's it. It's like, um, stop taking no for an answer and just make the things happen. Uh, so it, it definitely helps, helps to have a little bit of cash on hand to do that. But, um, yeah, so I, like, in the 2000s, I was doing more, like, literary fiction, and I was running a um, literary zine. Um, in the middle 2000s, I was trying to get a screenplay produced. And, you know, making a movie is, like, is measured in millions, right? There's no way that you can have a budget of that's measured in thousands. And then, like, comic books are a whole order of magnitude cheaper to make. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, I like comics better anyway, because that's what, you know, I, I read all the time. Um, so, that, you know, that was kind of it. I stumbled into it. And uh, any, any comics writer you talk to is going to have, like, probably five or six scripts written for every one that's in print. Um, so, like, The Surgeon is probably the fourth thing that I wrote. Okay. I'd say, I mean, Roy, I assume it's probably similar origin for you, just from the art side. Uh, yeah, I was really into comics when I was a kid. Spider-Man, Carnage were big ones for me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I just hit kind of hit a point like I was doing illustration and graphic design. And then I was like, I should just try to do some comic inking. And I just, you know, downloaded pencils and started working on inking and just kept putting up my work and then eventually got hired, like basically just kept pushing at it. <laughs> say any reason, the, anything that drew you to inking rather than like penciling or, or, you know, your own stuff? That's a fascinating question. Yeah, I'm kind of kind of curious about that. Yeah, that is a good question. I, 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 I will say like. I tried to be an artist for a while, and I preferred inking to penciling. I just felt that it was more fun to play with different shadows and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's just something about line work and making it dynamic and making it crazy and shading and that I just like better, I think. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's interesting, like, the different personality types that go into making a comic. You know, you have the the writer and the penciler and the inker and the colorist and the letterer. And all of them are different, like, um, stereotypes. You know, if you think, oh, that guy's a, that, that's an anchor for you, you know, or <laughs> that's a writer for you. You know, they, they all have um, different skills and different mindsets. And, and like, inking would be, that would be like sitting down and doing my taxes to me so i'm so glad that we have people who, who are excited about that and it's their skill set say so in uh talking to a few people that uh, make comics as i now know quite a few indie creators um some people i went to high school with now i sell their comic books in our store but um it always kind of strikes me more like put it the the getting the people together to put together comic books kind of like putting a band together like your penciler's kind of your like lead guitarist your uh, writers, like your songwriter, I think inkers like your bassist, where they're like very important but kind of underappreciated or like not super. They don't dominate the the sounds. Um, and then I guess like your uh, I don't know who would be the drummer in that situation. I guess color. Um, 
think an anchor could also be analogous to a drummer. Yeah. Because it's the, you know, it's holding it down. But the bassists do that too. Yeah. Know. But I, that's something I, something I was, that's a metaphor I was thinking about recently. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Feel free oh, to use it, cool. if it if you need to. I steal other people's intellectual property all the time. So yeah. <laughs> well, you both mentioned, you know, you read comics growing up. Uh, Laurie, you and I probably read some of the same books since you mentioned Spider-Man and Carnage. So I assume you're reading a bunch of Spider-Man in the 90s. Uh, but what have been some of the biggest influences on your work creatively, either from a storytelling perspective or just how you think about like panel layouts or anything like that? Um, uh, Todd McFarlane, mm -hmm. obviously. <laughs> um, um, and I was also talking about this with someone, uh, Scott Williams, who inked over Jim Lee. Oh, yes, yeah, so uh, he's still inked Jim Lee. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just insane. Like, I, it's, it's just that skill of being able to make someone's pencils better, mm -hmm. like that. Like, it's so cool. <laughs> I was talking about that earlier today. Like, you know, inking, I know what I like when I see it, but I can't describe to you why. Um, I mean, that's a description of art, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, I, I guess you got to, like, find your, like, Lennon to your McCartney when you're a uh, pencil and inker combination, because I know... Like they were saying, like Zach went through a whole bunch of people. Like you got to find the person. Like you guys' styles fit each other, because you know if you get the wrong inker, it can like really drown out your pencils. Or maybe there's you're, yeah. you're just you guys, your styles just don't mesh. That's why you right. see like Scott Williams has been inking Jim Lee basically forever. Yeah, and if you look at like other people trying to ink Jim Lee, like most people can't because they don't they don't really know what he wants to do. Like Scott Williams is basically reading his mind at this point when he inks his pencils. Like it's crazy. Um, well, like how many and yeah, you kind of, yeah comics have ever worked on by now? Like also yeah. have that. Yeah, like you like you'll see Jim Lee's pencils and there's just like scribbly shit, and then Scott Williams like all of a sudden there's like water with like waves and foam, and you're like that was just like it was just like crust. Like and it's, anyway, um, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I think it's important for me as an inker. I like to have a really flexible style. I don't have a style that I'm locked into because I think that that hinders the relationship. Like you said, like you can't really work with a lot of pencilers if you just have one style of inking because like it just might not mesh with them. So I like changing up my style. That's my personal. Style. Yeah, yeah. And um, like I remember when we started working together, and I, like I said, I don't really know how to how to be constructively critical about inking and I was like I don't know can you just like lighten it up a little bit and you're like, oh yeah here proof of the and then, then there it was it was like oh that's that yes that's exactly what I was talking about <laughs> I say uh Katie in our chat has a question for you guys here uh is it unusual for a comic artist to do both the drawing and the inking I say I guess it depends on the person I don't think it's that wild um I know a lot of, at least in like the big companies, indie, you get a little bit more flexibility with your time. But they're on such tight deadlines, right. it basically can only like crank out the pencils and you have to move them on because you got to work on the next issue. 
Right. Um, um, you, you'll see a lot of companies try to save money by having the same person pencil and ink it too, because it can be, it can save money. But in terms of time, you're right. It's generally more efficient if you have a pencil and an inker that are separate, because they can work basically at the same time and do the work twice as quickly. But like surgeon number three, um, we've got an artist who does tight digital pencils, which are kind of inks, and we just send them straight to the colorist the way they came. Yeah, I was going to say, because I know there's, uh, there's this whole different world between like doing your art digitally versus like actual still using pen and paper. Um, I will say one of the cool things about doing digital art is it's really easy to share your work like say your 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 inker or your colorist, because uh, you can just send them the file completely. And yeah. rather before I know, like you know, back in the day, back in the analog times, like a, an inker or a penciler would do like a whole page on you know Bristol board, which is really big, and then they'd have to physically mail it to the inker. Right. Um, yeah. It would it yeah. would really really be a lot more efficient if everybody were in the same building too. Yeah, and I know that's like where like the old Marvel bullpens and stuff where they just basically like sweatshop, like yeah, Jack Kirby drawing stuff and then moving it on. Um, Lots of white out to cover up the coffee and the cigarette stains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I, I'm not knocking traditional. I like it. But yeah, like if especially if you're trying to work really quickly and get everything done and everyone spread out all over the U.S., like it's just easier to do it digital um i can also zoom way into a page and take care of really tiny details that you couldn't do on a piece of paper so it's easier There's, to also fix your mistakes right yeah oh. but, you know, <laughs> and it's not like you know a lot of people seem to think that digital inking is like you just press like a magic button and like shit is inked yeah uh, but it's not <laughs> like i have a pen and like i have nibs and i have brushes and i have like all of that shit it's just on a screen instead of on a piece of paper and yeah i have an undo button which is really handy <laughs> and, and it depends on the person's style too like i have a friend um that i'm working on um a western project with and i, I, I did a, a superhero project with him too he does everything um himself but it doesn't have the same style. It doesn't have the same look as a traditional comic, really. It's more like, um, more cartoony, more kind of cell shaded because, you know, that's the art style that he's going for. Mm -hmm. If you're going for that, like, um, Jim Lee level of detail and, and, you know, craftsmanship and love, um, it would be unusual for that person. And I think all that just came about by the, the efficiency of having an assembly line, you know, one person to do the pencils, one to do the inks, one to do the colors, you do the letters, and then, yeah, wow. Comes right over to the printer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we have another chat question uh, from Jackson. Have you guys ever heard of using comic book art as proof of concept for a film project? Is that even possible? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean... It, it, like back in, uh, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, the only people who had subscriptions to Heavy Metal Magazine were uh, acquisitions people at their major film studios. They were, and they weren't trying to get, they were just trying to get ideas from it. They, they weren't the old rocks, but they were. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, like, what is comic book art but a storyboard? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's part of the reason 
uh, we see so many comic book adaptations, not just superheroes, because there's been a lot of comic book movies that people don't even realize are comic book movies, like Road to Perdition and History of Violence yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Just because you can, you already have the template for your story there. Now, obviously, you got to do a lot of other changes and stuff when you're adapting anything to another medium. Um, but like the comic source material already has, I don't want to say a lot of the work done for you, but it's already got, you're already starting a leg up versus just, you know, and, I'm adapting a, a novel, you know? And, and in terms of like the amounts of money that people are used to, if you talk to a comic book person with just a sliver of what Hollywood people are used to, they're going to say, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you just, you just bought intellectual property real cheap. Um, and Hollywood is doing reboots, it's doing comic books, it's doing, you know, TV shows. There's very little fresh content coming. Um, if you want real deal stuff, it's comics. Yeah, something I'd like to add too, actually, um, a lot of the time when you, when you sign up with a publisher, um, like Dark Horse or IDW or Marvel or DC or whoever, um, they usually want to lock in the film rights for whatever your property is, and they'll lock them in for quite right. some time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and that's, that's where they're running. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I know, like, basically, if you work for anything you create for Marvel and DC, just about, unless you're like a big enough name that you can kind of set your own rules, like, you're just creating for them and they just own it. Um, yeah. Which yeah. is why, and, you know, he, they, and they own it for a while after you're done too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, especially now that uh, Disney owns Marvel, because Disney, I know, is really. It's funny because if they didn't fight so hard for the copyright laws and stuff, like Spider-Man would be in the public domain, and then they wouldn't have to worry about Sony having the film rights to it and having to deal with them. Um, <laughs> but because because they, they makes don't, money off yeah. the Spider-Man pencil sharpener. Yeah. Because they don't want to, they didn't want to lose the rights to Mickey Mouse, but like it's eventually going to happen because Walt Disney's been dead for a long time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like if anyone out there, like at Netflix, like wants to take a look at our books, like did they yeah. make a deal oh. with Mark Miller? Has anything come from that yet? I mean, Mark Miller makes deals with everybody all the time. That dude is, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. With the, uh, which which property was it? Do you know? That's just this Miller World stuff. Oh I, yeah. yeah. Which I don't. I'm probably it's probably really bad that I don't remember any of the things that are in that. But it's that's just stuff I generally personally don't read. Um, I mean, whatever. I like creator own stuff. Blowing up, I think the internet's kind of been good for getting like getting to know the creators of books a little bit more. It's like, for example, a guy who works in a comic book store can do this and introduce the actual comic creators to the people that will read the comic. Thanks um, for doing it. Yeah, I was saying, yeah, yeah before, you know, back in the day when when I was a kid, it would just be like, maybe you got the letters pages in the back, but like nobody right. paid attention to that, you know? Oh, I read every word. Oh, I never read that stuff. <laughs> I used to not, I mean, they still do some, like there's still Turtle Tracks and Ninja Turtles and stuff, I think. Um, but it's fun. Like, occasionally a customer comes in and points out, like, hey, they printed my letter. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, I can just tweet at them now if I want. But, um, but that's one of the this, yeah, cool things about having such an interconnected world now. I remember um, Indiana Jones number two came out, and he had this whip in motion around his head, and it came around out to here. And 
then in Indiana Jones number three, there were all these nerds in the letters fired up about how physically impossible that cover shot was. And they were like, there's no way a whip could be in motion in that position, and, and here's why. And then somebody would reply to that for the next couple of months. It was it was fantastic. It was like this three or four month long version of what's happening on Facebook, any post that ever gets posted. And I remember I was like, you know, 10 or 12 years old. And, and these guys are dedicated. I love, I love that, uh, that energy and fire that they were having. Uh, so you got another comment in the chat. Sorry, Jackson, I guess I didn't understand your uh, question. He was asking if uh, people produce a comic book from scratch for the exclusive purpose of using it as a concept vehicle. Instead of, well, instead of writing original screenplay and make a comic book, is this done in the industry? I think with the amount of work you would do for that, you might as well just publish the comic book, too. Yeah. A lot of people look at comics as a, a script pitch. Um, that The first book, the first series I put out, uh, they were Hollywood people. Uh, that's how they looked at it. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure if anyone does that specifically in the industry, but I'm I'm sure it happens. Mm, I think they would if it was cheaper. It's yeah. pretty expensive to produce a comic. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty time consuming because not only do you still have to write the comic, you would have to write, write a screenplay, but then you have to draw it or get someone else to draw it. But um, it's an interesting concept. Maybe if it was like you were able to do it as more of like a smaller one issue kind of thing, you're able to get it more across. I do know, all right, we're not really movie industry people, but. I do know sometimes if you have a pitch, like, you can have a bunch of concept art and, like, other things ready to go rather than just the, uh, like, like script stuff. Yeah. Uh, most people just do that because that's something one person can do. You can just kind of sit at the computer and bang it out. Yeah. Um, like I said, with the, the amount of work that would go into that, you might as well just publish the comic. And then you can start building up a fan base as well. Um, and that, I, that probably goes more for selling your comic, like, you'd be like, I already have, you know, like, 20,000 copies sold or something like that, you know, then you see, like, well, there is a fan base for this. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, plenty of people do that, and I've, you know, as a writer, I've run across people who have a script, and they're like, I'm basically just going to turn this screenplay into a comic book by adding pages. Um, people do it, it kind of offends me mm -hmm. because, you know, there are different art forms. One is, I mean, how long does it take you to read a 22-page comic book? It takes about 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Well, it depends if you're just writing it or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because um, that takes know, me like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and depends on how deep you get into the art, whatever. But, you know, a movie is, is hour and a half, two hours movie has to have its acts, its three acts. Comic book kind of works best if it's got a cliffhanger at the end. Yeah, comics, yeah, it was one of my rules for buying comics personally. Um, as I, I, one of my main rules is like, if I'm, I, I still get the book if I'm interested in reading the next issue. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the, I think that's one of the benefits of comic books because it's really, really long storm, long form storytelling, especially if you're like, know that like, Say you get Spider-Man and they give you like, well, we're going to give you like 50 issues to work on. Sometimes you just do like villain stuff. 
in which case you just needed you know have one or two issues to tell your three act story like you can have it's kind of like a TV show in a way where you can have character growth like over like 40 50 100 issues um, whereas a movie kind of to do it satisfy like in a satisfying way you like said you have the three act structure it's you have to think about your story in different ways but one of the interesting things to do like yeah say you someone has a script they're really passionate about and it's just not getting made yeah you could just readapt it and make it into a comic book and that's kind of an easier way to get it out um, cuz you can self publish you guys you know the story of unlikely heroes is you guys wanted to make a comic book so you did right <laughs> so it is possible. Uh, yeah, I mean that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's uh, which Sarah is says. which is crazy because uh, the actual issue of Ninja Turtles was just a joke. Their big thing was supposed yeah. to be the Fugitoid, and then they just doodled a Ninja Turtle like this is funny. Let's just make it a parody of Daredevil because that was what they were reading. Right, right. And it just blew up, and now it's like almost forty years later, and we're still talking about it. It's still that's Please. actually what the next episode of this podcast is going to be about. We're going to be talking about. The IDW series. Nice. Um, oh, that's awesome. But yeah, we're still, uh, yeah, like, it's, it's just funny. And then, like, the success of that, then, oh, my God, in the 80s, just the indie self-creator boom just that happened. Um, yeah. Just, and that was, that's when I was reading a lot of comics. And that was, uh, that was really formative for me is to just see, like, all this black and white stuff on really shitty paper coming out of Canada. Yeah. And, you know, it was not on the spinner rack. It was, uh, it was like, wait, what is? They're, they're calling their company Artvar Vanaheim. What does that even mean? And then, yeah, um, well, that, I know, that whole '80s indie black and white stuff was mind blowing for me. Well, I know Turtles. They called their company Mirage because they didn't really have a studio. It was just a kitchen table. Yeah. So it was like the illusion of the studio. Um, <laughs> no, they. they I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and their stories. One of the more fascinating things, uh, more, one of the more fascinating comic industry stories, I think. Not that you guys don't have a great one as well, but just like in terms of like immediate success that they weren't expecting. Yeah. I know they just xeroxed it on like newspaper and then just sold it at a con and then just sold out. And they're like, well, I guess we'll make more. Um, but yeah. I mean, I can talk Ninja Turtles all day. We should talk some more of the surgeon. Uh, so what can we expect uh, in issue number three here? Uh, for, you know, what's, where's the yeah, story okay. going? That we obviously don't want to give away too much. Right. Um, I put some thought into this, like how, how to not give chapters <laughs> one and two away. All right, so Doc Hanover ends up in a fort that needs her to stay for being a doctor. And she kind of gets suckered into a deal because she's a good fighter. Uh, to kind of train the militia in so in like close quarters combat, they were okay with rifles, but they didn't know how to punch and use a blade as well as they could. Um, and and then like when she's ready to go, when she you know has kind of done her job, a uh, bunch of lunatics come and, and besiege the fort. So that's like where where issue two stopped was in the worst part of that siege and so what can you expect in chapter three well the siege will be concluded and then the next thing will happen oh no <laughs> yeah no it's hard to talk about an issue without just explicitly giving it away yeah um, yeah but you know like 
that's what the solicits are. I have to read every single one of them for every book that comes out. Yeah. Um, so there may or may not be a battle with Farmer Ted. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, kind of obviously, like he's right. He's he's the boss fight. He's the uh, like yeah. top of the second act boss fight. Yes, there will be one. Yeah. So, so obviously the Kickstarter is live for issue three right now. Um, so what are some of the cool stuff uh, you can get for backing it? Like, I know obviously that you know, you can get the, the other issues of Surgeon. You can get obviously Surgeon number three is kind of, kind of the main one people can probably want to get. Yeah. Um, we're also giving away uh, art prints. Uh, we have um, a really cool enamel pin of Farmer Ted, Baby Skull Man. Except it's really cute. It's a cute enamel pin. It's somehow of a man with a belt of baby skulls. You can take it home uh, to your mother, right? Yeah, exactly. It's very, yeah. it's, it's like in neon colors. It's really stylish. Um, and we're also actually doing a really cool, and I'm so excited about it, um, an antique surgeon coin. Like a real, I mean real. It is a real coin. You can't use it at the store. Mm -hmm. Probably. I don't think it's made of pure silver. I Probably don't think not. so. I don't think no. you guys are charging enough for it if that's the case. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, we're also, uh, I'd like to point out, we're giving, uh, we're selling uh, the words are there. Um, original art from The Surgeon 1 and 2 by Zach Dolan. Um, the Surgeon 2, no one's even seen those pages for sale yet, so I'm really excited, like, if anyone's interested in buying them. Um, basically, almost all of Chapter 2 is available, so. Okay. <laughs> Listen, and if you guys haven't seen Zach's art in person, it's amazing. It really so, is. Oh, we have some visual aids here. Oh, John yeah, has so. one this time. Yeah, I have one. Oh, let's see. That's terrible. Yeah, thanks a lot, Internet and digital technology. <laughs> This is my favorite page. This is page 22 from chapter one. Um, this is why I got into writing comics, is to see something like this yeah. made. Um, so I have a question here from Kenneth for you guys. Uh, I've seen you've already laid out Hanover's story. How many books where would, would you like to put out there uh, where you would be satisfied with her story to complete her background, etc.? Well, well, well. Uh, so I have written six. Um, there are six chapters that exist, and that's a tidy little arc. But my whole... Um, so yeah, the, the, one of the influences was like the um, Kurosawa samurai film to spaghetti western transition. Right? That, was, that was all I ever watched as a kid. Uh, but then the other big influence um, was Conan the Barbarian. Okay, and, and Red Sonia, like, you know, so Conan has these stories where he's just a young buff barbarian, and he has these stories where he's King Conan. We have these stories where he's like graybeard Conan sitting on a throne, kind of barely held together. Um, so that's what I wanted the surgeon to be as a potential. Um, She's she's been through a lot. There's there's a lot of backstory, so I can always go back. Um, I have I, I do some world building. Um, I have a lot in the past. I have a lot in the future that we can go to, and then you know split off to other characters too. 
So in theory, you could go on forever. That's what, yeah, that's what any comic book writer wants. <laughs> like three of those going on at once. That's what we want. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like you've got a uh, plan. Like I said, six issues is a good, that's a trade paperback, you know? Yeah, right? It's, yeah. Good, it's good you guys got that, you know, in the in the hopper there. Um, and then obviously it sounds like you got tons more room to go uh, with her. But yeah, she doesn't. She definitely seems like a flexible enough character where, even if you're not constantly digging into her backstory and stuff, like she's done. All right, I'm done with this adventure. I can move on to the next, and it can be totally different. Yeah, and yeah. as a uh, as a, a wanderer, that's easy. To do. Yeah. Sorry, Lori. No, it's okay. I was just gonna say, John is um, incredible in terms of. I mean, he's incredible, but he's an incredible writer because he can basically write on the spot and like the story it's not like when you watch a tv show and then like you know when like they get to the point where they started writing new episodes and like it like goes completely off the like like it's just like completely different you're like what the fuck just happened and they try to like (laughs) you know they try to like go back and make everything work like john doesn't do that like i know like even if he doesn't have like 400 issues planned like he could write 400 issues and the story would all make sense and it wouldn't be like sewn together at the last minute do you know what i mean am i making sense thank you yeah like not having to retcon right Right. That's yeah. exactly. Like that's you have to put in some legwork in the in the beginning, so you don't have to retcon later. No, that sounds good. Yeah, loss is definitely an example of something. Yeah, I was. Really, I I also have a similar reaction to that show. Don't sweat it. Don't. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh well. I love so every my second. So my next question was about Lost, and what did you guys think about that? Love uh, every second. I, I loved, invested so much time into that show, Scott. I loved I, the first season, and then watching the second season, I was like, they have no plan. There are no answers. I just gave up. Um, oh, wow. Like, I got way further than that. I yeah. was I was hanging on desperately. I was like, okay, they still have a plan. Like, there's a, there's a, it's going to be a crazy plan, but it's a plan. They're going to bring this together. It's, it's going to be a sci-fi show. It's going to be, like, the coolest shit we've ever seen. <laughs> well, so the, and the, then... Yeah. So my, my feelings on, like, J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot are well-known to people at this point. Like, we were banned <laughs> from talking about Star Trek Into Darkness in the store for, like, a year because I was so mad wow. about it. Um, but, like, all they do, I hate the mystery box. I hate it so much. It's a marketing gimmick. It's not a storytelling convention. Um, it, it's just, like, do you, here's all this cool setup, and there's, it's never had a satisfying payoff in any of their projects ever. Oh, uh, like the, look at the new Star Wars movies. What was that? Oh man, go! Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. So I warned you guys before we started. I warned them we'd probably go off on some tangents, uh, which is perfectly fine. I love them. Um, um as another tangent, if you want, uh, I don't know how many people there are in the comments because I can't see them, but I have a pair of super socks to give away and I have a copy of Elsewhere to give away to people who have backed. Uh, I don't know if John wants to give more trivia questions or Scott, you want you have some trivia oh, or yeah, like, whatever you guys want. I mean, so, uh, where is the chat happening? Is that on Facebook? Say, I have a combined chat. It's on both Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Twitch at the same time. But I have a chat window. That's all of it. Um, but if you guys want, Facebook's our most active one. So if you guys want to okay. look at that one, um, that would be fine. Yeah, like look at these. 
Black Adam. Super sucks. And then we got Elsewhere. Hang on. I'll give away a copy of this so you guys can experience it. Yeah, say so how many stories are in Elsewhere there? Because it's an anthology book. I think we worked out to Lucky 13 on that one. Yes, yeah, so right. I remember it's it's a lot. I think it's 13, yeah. And there's a, there's a story in here by Unlikely Hero Studios with Zach drawing about werewolves killing Nazis. And it's, it's fucking awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> it's worth the price of admission alone. Yes. Um, but the other stuff's good too, don't get me wrong. But like, you kind of got me on the concept. Uh, any kind of supernatural thing killing zombies, I'm kind of there. Nazis. Not zombies. The oh other God. Z word. The yeah. other Z word. <laughs> the Nazis. This... Let's let's kill more Nazis. Nazis. Um, <laughs> I got me again. Well, yeah. I mean, anything killing zombies too is also cool. But uh, sure. Well, and, and that's what like in any video game that I get from my kids, I don't mind if they're killing zombies, Nazis, or demons, right? Yeah. Or or robots. Yeah. You know, like. I don't want them just doing Grand Theft Auto going around and macking people on the street. But Nazis, come on. Yeah. Also combinations like Nazi zombies. Mm -hmm. Those are fine. Yeah. Nazi vampires. Nazi surfers. There you go. I'm surprised we haven't seen a movie about Nazi surfers yet. Surf, There's Nazis so must much die, 1974. Um, I think. Oh, is that a real thing? Yeah. Are you a, making that up? I'm not. Oh, um, my God. It's a, it's a Roger Corman picture. Oh, of course it's Roger Corman. I will say, my friends I, and I... Uh, don't, don't go back and tell people I said that, but I think it's true. Yeah. Well, I was about to say, like, we want, we have, like, a bad B-movie night, um, but we haven't been able to do it from quarantines and friends, and I, I really want to start doing it again. Uh, but that would be a good one for that, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, you watch, you watch things like The Room together and stuff, and it's fun. Surf Nazis, what what must they do? Yeah, die. But I've I've seen I saw Surf Ninjas <laughs> when I was a kid. There's so many Surf <laughs> genre movies. Uh, but surf Ninjas is bad. But yeah, so if you guys you guys want to do some trivia for the giveaways, sure. Um, let's see. I guess it should be uh, it should be unlikely heroes related or just anything. Let's oh. do a broadly unlikely heroes related. Let okay. do that one. Oh no, damn it. Oh sorry. Yeah, you don't like to be put on the spot. No, um, I can't. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll I'll do say, a... I can I can put one out there, but I might need you guys to corroborate the answers for me. Yeah, okay. Um yeah. Okay. what year did Super Number One come out? Do you know, Lori? I don't know if I know. I <laughs> that's the that's the one issue See, that I didn't eat. The age. reason I was trying to pass it off to you is because I'm gonna go pee. I'll be right back with you. Yeah. Well, I tried. No, we can go with that. I will find it. I'll say, yeah, my issue is in the other room. Uh, so, because I, I, I would assume it's printed inside, inside that. But I'll give people a chance to, 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 to get the answer. Maybe someone's going back and looking uh, now. Um, but yeah, so we can, we can talk about. Let me pull my questions back up. Uh, well, speaking of super. I know, Lori, I've talked to you. One of the other projects you guys are working on, you want to do a remaster uh, collection uh, for the first, for, is it the first volume or is it everything you guys have put out so far? Uh, yeah, I want to do, <clears throat> the plan is to do one to seven, issues one to seven. Uh, we're also going to put 
the werewolf Nazi story in there, there's also going to be like a huge uh, memorial section for Zach in there. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to get art from various artists of Zach or of our stuff. Uh, um, and there will also be um, uh, a stretch goal or some kind of something in the works of like the super character Bible because there's something like a hundred to 150 characters and like people haven't seen probably half of them. Um, in regards and I to think the, it would be really cool. In regards to the super <clears throat> question real quick, Sarah White on Facebook said 2011. That sounds right. I would need you to con need you guys to confirm that for me. Yeah, let me. That's to say, we did a launch party on the store, so I can look up on our Facebook when those images were. Um, but yeah, in, in regards to the the super thing, I know um, some of us have had, uh, and by some of us, I mean some of us at the store and some of our our customers and stuff have gotten Zach art over the years and. I know we're going to try to get scan them and contribute uh, as well uh, to that. And I, I want to write something up for that if I can. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because mm -hmm. um, I don't know if we want to get too deep into that, but like, you know, we lost that pretty unexpectedly last year. Um, and I, I saw, I, who's the, the artist on the new issue? I'm terrible with names. I'm so sorry. Uh, the new issue of The Surgeon? Yeah. It's Stan Yak. Okay. I mean, I think he's. I think he's doing. I think his art fits the style pretty well. Uh, yeah, I mean, Zach is like John was saying. Zach is irreplaceable. Like it's not, you know. But Stan's doing a good job. And and that whole lot of work went into that whole process too. Um, you know, finding somebody who could. I was about to say, uh, <laughs> if you guys don't mind my asking, um, how much. Zach art made it into the final book. I know. I know some of the the covers are is stuff he worked on. Oh right, for chapter three. For chapter three, yeah. Um, I mean, just for continuity's sake, it's it's all Stan. Um, he had Zach has one of the covers. Um, he had he had thumbnailed the pages from one to the end, but um, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. again, I, I know it's kind of a bummer to bring up, but he was a big part of, you know, the, the creative process. Uh, well, a huge part. And I, I mean, as much of a bummer as it is, I, I, I like talking about him yeah. and I like the way that that, um, you know, I don't, I don't want this wound to get, uh, to get scarred over too soon. Yeah. Uh, well, let's say it was, keep it fresh. It was crazy when we got the news because, uh, he had done an appearance in our store, uh, like, the day before. Yeah. He was supposed to be in the store again that Saturday, because it was our... Every year we do, like, a birthday party for the store. So we thought, we like to get some local creators and stuff in and make it, like, kind of an event. And he was supposed to come in, but then, uh, you know, like, that Tuesday, his brother called us and was like, hey, I got some news. And, like, you know, uh, you know. So it was just completely taken aback, uh, uh, you know, like, like my story is not unique. You guys work with him more closely than I did. Yeah. Uh, one, one great thing about Zach is whatever he was down for whatever crazy thing we wanted to do in the store, um, and he always did very well because you know his art was so great. Um, and still, yeah, is. I, I can't believe 
<clears throat> I can't believe how well he did just like drawing in front of people. Like he could just sit there for an yeah. entire convention and draw for ten fucking hours. Yeah, he was like, and, and it was entertaining. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it was amazing. But um, I'm gonna call it. Uh, sorry, real quick. That Sarah White will say you want it. Um. Uh, yeah, she is right. Sorry, I didn't. Yeah, know yeah. Her so I'll when we're done here, I'll send you a private message and we'll figure out how to get some prizes to you. But um, yeah. So I know it's been been big shoes to fill, um, but I'm glad to see projects continue on. I'm glad to see the comic company he helped create is still making stuff. That's the best way to kind of you know. That's the best like tribute and legacy you could an artist could really have. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're planning to, uh, we're in the process of relettering um, issues one to six um, with Eric lettering them. Um, yeah. Just because uh, we kind of didn't really know what we were doing for the first couple of issues and we learned as we went. Um, yeah. and Which is fine. We're way better at it now. Um, so we're relettering them, we're tweaking, tweaking a couple of jokes. Uh, changing them to things that Zach actually wanted in there but didn't get in there yeah. um, next year. Uh-oh. Scott hasn't moved in a couple of seconds. I think he might be frozen. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was my internet because it's crap, but I think it's him. Ha-ha. <laughs> I would give away more stuff, but I can't see the comments. <laughs> uh, and in fact, our live video has ended, but now it's really Oh, it has. Okay. But it's, I, I think we are in a state of flux at the moment. Do we have to keep being charming and on? I, okay. John Pence is the host now. Oh. Oh, oh, yep, there I, he is. There he is. Sorry, my internet dropped for a second. <laughs> Okay, I can hear you guys much louder now. Oh, good. Uh, all right, so let me, uh, let me put that back in full view so we can. Hopefully, hopefully the stream didn't get dropped too much because I only went down for a second. That's why I don't normally do the podcast live. Uh, so everyone's get to see us all, what's and all here. That's fine. Um, but yeah, so uh, what were we just talking about? Oh, one of the um, questions. Oh, so yeah, one of the questions we got in the. Chat Jackson's asking if any of us ever met Stan Lee. I have not. Or I did not. I met Jim Storenko. I've met Jim Storenko too. That was he's an interesting guy. And and you know, for my money, um, he's the one I wanted to meet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of cool comic creators. Um, honestly, if I go to a big convention in New York Comic Con, all I really care about is Artist Alley. I don't really do personally. I don't really. I personally don't really do back issues. I don't do the celebrity zoo. I don't like yeah. all the stuff I could buy there. I can get from my store and like I'm. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Uh, know? Stan Stanley also charges quite a bit of money to meet him and uh, shake yeah, his hand, if I recall, like a couple hundred dollars. So. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure people have met him, and he's a nice guy, but or was a nice guy, but. You know, I use the word Excelsior frequently. I do quote him a lot. I do use enough said. I use I, yeah. original sign off for this was face front true believers. That's one of my favorite phrases. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I don't really, I don't really get it, but like it's fun. 
It's fun to say. <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't say the guy wasn't super influential. Um, yeah, I mean, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but, like I said, you know, I, I read every word of those um, letters to the editor and letters from the editor uh, in the old comics too, and all the X-ray specs ads and all the Charles Atlas body ads. But, I say. That is a cool thing that they're doing. They're doing facsimile editions of old comics where they reprint the, it's not just reprinted the comic, but they reprint the ads from it too. So sometimes we get some of the really weird ones and like, yeah, it's amazing what used to be like ads in different eras because you're talking about the x-ray specs one. It would just be like a newspaper sheet of like just little boxes of all these weird things you could get. And that's just all the ads were instead of just being like a one page, like yeah. start, starting in the nineties, you get like the one page, like uh, super Sega Genesis ads stuff right. like that or even like the two-page spreads like those were the big ones um but yeah even just going through back issues in the store sometimes it's really fun just to see the old ads in them mm -hmm. but um yeah so I'm, let me pull my get back my situation here now that my my computer decided to work again um, um, in, ter in terms of meeting people uh zach did get to meet P peter mayhew peter mayhew's uh, cool at one of the last conventions he did and he actually did a commission for him and he was so excited about it no way really yeah what, do you know what he did was it chewbacca uh, i sh i have a picture of it somewhere and i don't remember what it was mike dolan might have it somewhere if uh we can get it i'll, I'll post a picture of it up on social yeah, media i'll see if we can get it but he was like so excited and it was awesome <laughs> yeah that's cool the coolest i don't want to say the coolest person i met but like the biggest name that I got the chance to like meet. Um, again, we're talking about Ninja Turtles. I got to meet Kevin Eastman and I didn't expect to. So the story is a couple of years ago, Diamond's, Diamond does an annual like retailer summit, um, in which case they, a lot of comic companies, it's kind of like their chance to like pitch to retailers directly. And like, I got to meet a lot of cool people doing that, like Scott Snyder and just, just, just a lot of people. But uh, IDW didn't say that they were bringing Kevin Eastman there. And I'm a huge Ninja Turtles guy. And it was a long line because they would have a, they had a big, they had a big stack of comics. And for everyone that waited in line, he would sign it for free and get to meet them. Um, so I got to, so I told the other people I was with, I was like, listen, I'm going to go be in this line for an hour. So you guys go meet other people. I'm just going to go do this real fast. They're like, <laughs> right, right. They're like, we understand why. Uh, but that was, that was the big, that's the only time I was ever remotely start. I, just, I don't usually get starstruck. And I hesitate right. to say I was still starstruck, but I was still like, I got that was the person I think I was most excited. I mean, I've met a lot of really cool people. George Perez was a big one for me too, because the Noon Teen Titans was like my jam as a kid. I met Storanko and oh, yeah, he's yeah. my hero. And he was like five foot four, but filled up the entire convention center. And and I signed a copy of Surgeon One for him. He said, No, 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 sign it on the front, right here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he told me where to sign it. He said, I'm going to read it on the plane. I know he didn't, but he, I mean, that was still he nice. made me feel like he yeah. would. That was the one thing, as I also met Jim Steranko, he, he definitely made you feel like when he talked to you, you had his full attention. Yeah. Which is he, awesome. He, he, like, he, he grabbed me by the shoulder and he brought me in real close across the table. And he said, hey, man, just between you and me, you can kick everybody's ass in here. <laughs> where, where did that come from you weirdo i was gonna say when i met him i had a carpal tunnel issue so i had my hand in a splint and uh he's like hey together we're gonna get through this and i thought that was the funniest thing I could have said. Uh, he knows he knows what to do 
He yeah. knows the, the rules. But I got I got a big Captain America print from him. I got that framed in the other room. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, he he's a fun person to meet if you get a chance to meet him. Um, oh, that that hit that run of Nick Fury he had was so good. God, oh, that, that silent that's, issue. Yeah. Oh my God. That's absolutely um, one of the most formative comics I ever read. Uh, so yeah, like meeting him was was meeting kind of a hero, a god. I was gonna say, who would you guys want to meet that you haven't yet? I don't want to say who you want to work with because I don't want to put anyone on the spot. But, I mean, you can answer it that way if you want to, too. Ooh. Who do I want to meet? Huh. I don't know. Um, I feel like I might like to meet Frank Quietly. Okay. Um uh, so we were talking about all the different like people we might want to work with or at least meet. Um, I don't know if you have anyone you would like to work with or meet someday, Laurie. Uh, McFarlane. I'd love to meet him. Okay. He seems yeah. like he seems like a nice dude. He seems like he'd be just easy to talk to and he'd give good advice and yeah. <laughs> um, so now I know you guys are, are, are your own independently owned and run, uh, comic book company, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages to self-publishing? I guess let's start with the positive. What are the advantages of it? Yeah, well, and let's make a distinction between self-publishing and being a publishing company that's really, really small. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, advantages are, uh, you can publish a superhero book which is virtually impossible right now unless you publish it yourself because absolutely no one is interested in superhero properties interesting uh like they won't even yeah. look at it they won't glance at it they will throw it in the garbage that some websites for submissions on the public like they even say like don't give us a superhero like, like we'll it's print serious yeah um, so that's an advantage. Um, you can, in terms of content, you can do anything you want to. It's kind of like you're, it's your deal. You're in charge. You're figuring stuff out. Um, it's, it's good in terms of um, you make your own deadlines. Um, and sometimes you kind of have to, unfortunately. You can't, you know, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> John knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, so like if you're working for Marvel, their deadlines are insane and they don't pay much. Right. We don't pay much, but the deadlines are easier. Yeah. And right. you can pretty much count on somebody upstream of you screwing up. So, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, well, you guys get to do whatever content you want. Exactly. You know, which is creative freedom is also nice. So, right. like, I'm in a position where I'm working with a small publisher, uh, working with Lori. Um, I have also self-published, and self-publishing is is cool because you get to do exactly what you want. You're in control of every piece of money that comes in, but you're doing it all yourself. Um, you know, there's there's no there's no help. There's no infrastructure. 
like I, I, I worked at a publishing company before I, I started doing this kind of crap for myself. And, uh, you know, you know, there's a person whose job it is to get you publicity. There might even be a department for that. There's a department to make sure that your book is distributed to national retailers. Um, you know, so like every little thing you got to do yourself or Lori has to do for me, which I'd rather. <laughs> well, yeah, I was about to say, even working in our, our comic book store, it's not the same as publishing stuff, but we kind of all need to specialize into different things. Just that way we can work on different stuff at the same time. And, you know, some like, for instance, uh, Becca at the store is better at uh, uh, social media and stuff than me. So I just kind of defer to her to a lot of that stuff. Um, but, you know, we all jump in and help each other out where we can because, you know, yeah. there's only so much because I assume, I assume, you know, running this, we're similar in that we're both running small businesses. We're like, if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. And, and you know, uh, Ben Franklin had that great, um, like, anybody who had sacrificed a little essential liberty for temporary safety deserves neither. Um, so there's always, like, on one end, there's, there's liberty, and on one end, there's safety. Mm -hmm. um, and self-publishing, a lot of liberty, zero safety. Uh, and, and, and it's just finding the sweet spot in between where you want to work and who you want to work with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess you know, that's some of the disadvantages there too. It's like, if you don't get, it doesn't get done. It doesn't, if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. You kind of have to right. job. Yeah. You know, uh, you don't, yeah. Guess, yeah. You can I, well, I've had to, yeah. I've had to kind of, uh, learn how to be an accountant and a lawyer and, uh, cause like we can't afford to hire that stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, like, you know, if you actually want to be a functional company and you want to get bigger and stuff, like, you kind of have to do that stuff yourself or have a lot of money, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's how they say you make a small, uh, how to make a small fortune in small business, start with a large fortune. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, like yeah. That. I uh, believe that. <laughs> Not saying it's, it's, it, don't be wrong, like, even what we do, like, it's fun to, to, to do what you do, because you don't, you don't start this stuff because just be like, well, I need a job. You do it because you want to do it. Right, right. And then you, you, you work hard at it because you want to make it work. And you guys have been, I guess, publishing books now for almost 10 years. So you must be doing something right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a day job, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so most writers and artists I know also have a day job as well. Um, you know, I have a day job too. I don't always podcast for, for, I just do this for fun. I haven't even gotten to the point where now where it makes me money, but you know, that's a, something for another day. We've, we've mentioned Dungeons and Dragons and Wizard of the Coast enough in some past episodes. I'm like, they should start paying us. They should. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> or pay me or sue me. One or the other. <laughs> Whatever. No publicity is bad publicity. Um, but yeah, so since you guys just you know uh, i guess we kind of went into this a little bit earlier but like what advice you'd have for someone interested in making their own comics i guess the advice was just do it right yeah i mean that's that's like postcard advice you know that's yeah. um that's the old saw um if you're a writer 
you got to realize that you have to pay people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so many writers come out thinking, you know, like, I'm in a band in my garage and none of us are getting paid. Like, how come we can't just have a jam session on a comic book? Because there's a whole ton of really crappy writers out there who are yeah. trying to rope artists into hundreds of hours of work for free. Um, so trust and, uh, and that kind of stuff doesn't come easy. Um, it, it helps to be able, be able to pay people what they're worth. Yeah. I was about to say, I know some comic book creators, uh, well, the writer, it's my story, and then they kind of like dictate what the artist should be doing. I, I, I think the best comics come from more of a collaborative element uh, with your, your between yeah. writer and artist. All right. you know? Yeah, so if I'm paying you an outrageous page rate, I get to say what goes. But if yeah. we have reached some sort of trust and middle ground, then absolutely we need to. Um, and you know what, writers? It's not a 50-50 split, and you don't come out on top. Yeah. Yeah, because the art's telling a story on and of itself. Like the best, I'm not just trying to diminish your work as a, as, you know, be as a writer, but some of the best- They do, comic, everybody else does. Some of the best comic book <laughs> uh, stories and like art, you can take the speech bubbles completely out of it and still tell what's happening. Absolutely. And, you know, finding that person is, is really, really important. Um, also know that the first couple of things you do are going to be- good enough to get past that stage in your career but when you look back on it they're not going to be that great oh yeah like every aspect of aspect of life but especially if, if you're any kind of artist if it's you know artist writings and art as well you know being a storyteller but like you should always be doing better today than you were yesterday you know so Absolutely. you should you should look back on your older stuff and like kind of cringe a little bit you don't want i mean granted it would be amazing yeah, yeah. It would be amazing if, you know, your, your very first project was you hit it out of the park and it's like an instant classic and everyone loves it and it stands the test of time. But then, like, you don't want that to be, it, you know, where do you go from there? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. we should all, like we should all be so lucky. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, exactly. But maybe, you know, maybe you just have that one story you want to tell and you told it and, like, you know, maybe you're, you're done or whatever. But, like... I, most people I know that are interested in, in doing this stuff uh, are interested in making a career out of it if they can. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the amount of work, the amount of work, like ass and chair, time, fingers on the keyboard that I put into a script is far less than the artists will spend on any given page um, by proportion. I do a lot of work when I'm like, walking around making coffee like I'm, I'm thinking it all out and I write it all down in the notebook but um, there's no way to compare what I do to the amount of detail and the amount of like craftsmanship that goes into the art the, the, the visual art of it yeah so yeah like um, writers yeah we get to be creators we get to have the idea and we get to say what happens um but unless we're paying everybody every penny that they're asking for, we're not the boss. No, oh, yeah, it's, you know, 
Yeah, like I like I said, one of the good things I'm gonna loop back to what I was talking about earlier. One of the good things about being so interconnected now is it's easier than ever to probably find a, a writer and an artist, you know. Because some people are like, I want to draw a comic book, but I'm not a writer. Like I can't come up, you know, I don't have a, a story. So, you know, maybe you need someone to help have that spark with you. I know me and my, my, my friend Kendall, who he and his wife make our local comic, Star Savior Bunny, um, he and, which is crazy because this is the thing, making comics is what we've been talking about doing since high school, which was multiple decades ago now. Um, but uh, I know one of the things we, we, we do is just like, we'd have like a lot of brainstorming sessions and then just take notes. And then from there, whoever isn't quote unquote in charge would then like sit, sit down and actually type it all out and, and put it together. But like, you know, I figure, I imagine there's gotta be a lot of creative back and forth, but like people can do what we're doing here, hop on a webcam, sure, talk to each other. You can screen share and like art and draw and all that stuff together, you know? Yeah, and I'm old enough that like, I know how to do FTP, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can, I can put files on a piece of web property that I own and give you a link to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, we've been able to do that for, for 20 years or so. And um, collaborative efforts have, have really taken off. I think it's great. Yeah. So uh, I guess the general thing is like, yeah, if you want it to get done, if there's a will, there's a way. Um, uh, and... Yeah, like like I said, don't don't expect to to be the next Stanley right off the bat. I'm not sure if this is a logical co converse, if this is like a converse yeah. statement, but conversely, um, that for for everybody with enough grit and determination to create 22 pages of comic art, there are fewer gatekeepers. Right. There are fewer editors who say, that's good, this is garbage. Mm -hmm. And and that you can trust, right? So that's awesome if you have an idea and you're tired of people saying no and you can make your thing happen. You'll also find that there's a lot of um, you know, bad news bears kind of scrub teams out there mm -hmm. um, filling up space. That's that's a terrible thing for me to say. Uh, I, I get what you mean, though. But like, a lot of people like to view editors as the bad guys. But you get an editor you trust that like gets what you're doing. Yeah. They can take it to another level. Yeah, and they can tell you this idea isn't good. Please come back. Yeah, and sometimes you need mm -hmm. that because you sometimes you might be too close to your own work and you need someone else to step back. But that's one of the that's another good thing for for writing and whatnot. Like writing in, well, in art, like the whole process, but like, I, I'm more of a, a writer. I'm not really an artist. So that's more where I come from. But like, you need to have somebody else look at your work and they have to be someone you can trust to give you real, real opinions yeah. on it. You don't want someone to just to be nice and be like, oh, it's all great. And then yeah, once yeah, it gets yeah. out there, because uh, strangers aren't going to be nice to you about that stuff on the internet. Your mom is, strangers yeah. are not. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've um I <laughs> I've actually dealt with a lot of issues like this as a as an editor. Um uh I mean John has too, I'm sure. Uh a lot of people think that like they see what we're doing and they think that it's gonna happen right away, um, with just what they have and like I'll look at their script and be like, Look, like this isn't you know, this isn't good enough, you need to fix this, you need to do this and they'll just kind of ignore me and then try anyway. And then it, um, 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if, if you want to do this yourself, I would suggest like, I mean, take advice with a grain of salt because some people are just assholes for no reason. But like, if someone's trying to help you and tell you like, you know, maybe this is something you should do or something I tell people a lot is to like build a fan base before crowdfunding. Cause a lot of people, again, they see our Kickstarters. They're like, Holy shit, like $10,000. Like that's amazing. Like you, you made yeah. that to make yeah, your comic yeah. book. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like that took like years of building an audience and like a newsletter list and like people who want to come crowd, like you're not going to just run a Kickstarter and make $10,000 99% of the time with nothing. Like yeah. it's not. <laughs> well, I was about to say, cause how many successful Kickstarters have you guys run now? Like a dozen? I think we're on our ninth. I think this okay. is our ninth. It seems like it's, well, best part of what made, makes you guys always have a successful Kickstarter is you already have that pre-installed loyal fan base. Like I know when every time you guys do a new one, because I, well, full disclosure, I back you guys on Kickstarter. Thank uh, you. I every time you guys do a new one, all of your old Kickstarters have a thing linking to it. So whenever a new one starts, I get like forty emails now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. Sorry, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but uh, I'm like, I don't need this. I know these guys. Like they, they tell me when stuff's coming. Out. But uh, it's just that there's different backers on each one. I know. Yeah. I feel terrible every time. Like I send one to each Kickstarter, like letting yeah. people know. And I'm like, well, I, I know there's people who have backed every single one who are getting like 12 emails. And I feel terrible. It's fine. You know, if they back all of your, your Kickstarters and they're still doing it, I'm sure they don't mind. <laughs> Thank um, you. That 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 actually. Yeah. Now, that's one of the things I, I always like about your guys is uh, uh, you have a very, very friendly community. Um, I mean, we have a pretty good one at, our, at the store, too. So I, I know whenever people would come in, we're like, oh, when's the next issue of Super? When's the next issue of whatever? Um, so that, that's, always, that's always gratifying to see, like, especially when, because uh, we do have some, some, we do have many local comics, and some of them do have multiple issues going on, so people do subscribe to them. Like I do, I can set you guys up as a pull box like we do for any Marvel or DC book. So like someone could subscribe to Batman and the surgeon and we have people that do. So, you know, whenever, but they could, they'll occasionally ask me like, when, when's the next issue? When's the next issue? I'm like, well, it's when they make it. I, I can't tell you when. <laughs> yeah, these guys are indies. Um, but, but most people are pretty understanding because, you know, except with the, Zach was always at the store. So people got a pretty good idea. Like, you know, see the chat with people and whatnot. Of, of how long it would take and that's that's one like i said that's one of the challenges of being so indie um i know we use indie kind of as kind of a broad term in store it essentially just means everything that's not marvel and not dc right but that's just because i need to put some title on that part of the wall yeah sure um because there's, there's not enough image or dark horse books to like make their own full part but i do have local comics which has their own permanent section um which i have you guys come into and then your guys stuff doesn't get buried we originally also put your stuff up on that wall too with the indie things but it didn't it's just you become like one thing amongst like dozens you know this keeps yeah. you a little bit more focused because we love we love our local comic creators and we love supporting people that are making comics because this is because this is what you want to do and you want it to be successful yeah, it's not, and it's not just you guys. It's it's everyone in in our section. And that that whole question of like how it ends up in the store too, like you know, outside of a Kickstarter arrangement, doesn't end up in the store unless we take it there. Yeah. You know? And then when we take it there, and we develop the relationship with the store, and you know, they start 
display it at the right way so that it sells and people start asking questions. Um, the local shops are, you know, where the virus spreads. I don't mean yeah. that in the bad way. I mean that in a good way. Yeah, timing on that one. Um, <laughs> we do I realized people, it as I was saying it. We, do require like, people wear, we are requiring people to wear masks, so don't worry about that. Yeah. But um, no, like we get a lot of cold calls and emails from, from various comic creators, and sometimes they're not a good fit. And more often than not, though, I do want to carry their stuff. It's just it, you've got to find the right balance uh, of stuff. I want to, I want yeah. to carry more than we, we are able to, but without getting into too much full disclosure here, we get a lot of people sending us. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, it, you know, just like we were saying, you know, there's, there's nothing standing in the way of you making the comic book that you want to make. And that's great. Yeah. I, I think, you know, um, but like I said, I do want to, I, I want to have events and stuff. One of the things I've been wanting to do for forever is have like, kind of like our free comic book day event. Um, cause you guys haven't been to them, but like, we basically put on a huge comic con throughout our mall where we have like thousands of people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh no, it's a big deal. We had to cancel it this year because of COVID. I've been one, I want to do a, a, a local artist one so bad, like in the summer, but like now we, who knows when we can start doing stuff like that now, right. you know, <laughs> one day. Yeah. I, that's, that's a, one thing I've wanted to do for a really long time is be like, invite everyone that's has a comic. I don't care if it's just something you Xerox at the library. I want to have everyone have a chance to come out, um, meet, meet potential fans, talk to each other, like have a real big fun event about it. Um, and then some like have some of our more established people like, uh, off the top of my head, I can think of Alton Simpson would probably be a good one. Uh, uh, he writes the Vampires of New Jersey book. I know he's about to start launching uh, Werewolves of Brooklyn, the spinoff. Um, you know, there, there's there's tons that I'm forgetting. I, like I said earlier in the stream, I'm really bad with names. Um, but I would have like uh, uh, Richard Zacks, one of our, our, our guys. Um, my friends Kendall and Kayla, they're married, so they just work on it together at home. Um, but I know they do their comic originally as a, as it comes out as a web comic first, like they have their own self-imposed de imposed deadline. They have to have a page up every week and I don't think they've missed it yet. Or if they, they've like explained like people like, Hey, we're going on vacation. We're not going to have one this week stuff like that. But they try to have like an original like mini comic every time they come out to one of our shows. Um, yeah. So I would love to have like an event like that. Um, but like I said, we, who knows when that can happen um, yeah. maybe we can do some sort of like streaming online thing um usually when we do the really big ones uh it's i'm not the one streaming it so when so my internet is really bad we it's usually uh becca who does it like we did free comic book day online earlier this year where we kind of did a bunch of pre-recorded videos and then we would host them in between and do giveaways and fun stuff um but I don't know about you guys, but it's starting to get kind of late uh, here. Um, so I don't know if we want to start getting to this stage where we want to wrap it up. If there's anything else you guys want to go over that we haven't hit yet. I think I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'll obviously link to the Kickstarter in the description for this. Thank you. Um, uh, but where social media wise, how can people find you? Um, Facebook is just Unlikely Hero Studios. Twitter's at UH Studios. Uh, Instagram is UH Studios Official. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's uh, LAF 
Inker on Twitter and LAF Model on Instagram. Uh, just Lori Foster on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, so there are there are a couple of John Pence's on Facebook. Um, I think I'm number seven. Uh, but you know, like on Facebook, that's like sandwiches and uh, like workout stuff and and comics and a much other shit. Um, Instagram is more professional, but you're still going to get pictures of my dogs and my chickens. Uh, but they're um, uh, Bubba Safa, like a Bodhisattva is the B-U-B-B-A-S-A-T-T-B-A. That's that's me. I have a Twitter too, but I hate it because Twitter. Yeah, it seems like nothing good comes from Twitter. I mean, nothing good comes from it's Twitter. It's not my favorite. Yeah, I mean, the store has all that stuff too. Um, if you're watching this, you've found some of it. Uh, um but we have a yeah, Twitter. Just follow yeah. the links. Yeah, I'll I'll, put, I'll try to post some links for you guys in the description for this as well. Um, but yeah, definitely go check out uh, the Kickstarter. Maybe by the time you got there, we've unlocked some stretch goals. That would be dope because we got there are more coming than is what is shown on the thing. Mm -hmm. Like we wrote some down, but there are more. Okay. For surprises. I hope yes. to, I hope we hit all of them, uh, especially because I backed it, which means I get all of that stuff. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys for joining me so much uh, for our first live episode of uh, Level Up and Friends. You guys also sort of got the first episode where the new name, it used to be the new Level Up Entertainment podcast, as we used to have an old one. And I couldn't come up with a better name than that until now. This one's a little <laughs> bit more accurate. Um, but if, uh, I'll try to figure out more to get around some of these technical issues in the future and I'll do more live episodes um, and maybe I'll have you guys on a normal one sometime we'll talk about some other kinds of comics or something else or whatever anyone's intru interested in the podcast is more or less just like here's what I feel like talking about this week here are people I want to talk about it with anytime buddy thanks awesome. for having us and, yeah, and thanks good. to everybody who listened and watched for giving a shit about the Andes yeah yeah and thanks to everyone who uh, watched and commented uh, and asked some questions. That was fun. And hopefully we can do some more of that again in the future. I really enjoy talking with you guys and, and doing this show for everybody, essentially. Um, but I guess with that, um, I'll see you guys next time. Until, you know, until then, stay safe. I'll try to. You do the same. Thank you.